0: We have been studying the fruit of the Spirit for the past four weeks. Our message series for November from Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 is filled, living the Spirit-filled life. Today, we will wrap this message series with a short discussion on goodness and faithfulness. We will read from Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 onwards so we can get a better feel for the entire passage. This is what the Word of God says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, the Apostle Paul says, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Let's start off with goodness. The word behind goodness is agathosune. This is a word only found in the New Testament and only in the letters of the Apostle Paul. And to my understanding, it's not found anywhere else in secular Greek literature. In the New Testament, the Greek words for kindness and goodness are closely related, but they're both listed as the fruit of the Spirit independently here by the Apostle Paul. Last week, we learn that the Greek word krestotes is translated as kindness in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It speaks about goodness in action manifested in our kindness to others. So even if krestotes or kindness is goodness in action, the Apostle Paul, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, uses the Greek word agathosune, to describe goodness here. Agathosune, or goodness, could be understood as our desiring after good. But this desire does not always manifest in acts of kindness toward others. It does not mean, however, that this manifests in unkindness either. When a person has this fruit, this fruit of the Spirit goodness. He or she desires to do the right thing and to do it right so as to please God. We desire that our hearts and minds will be governed by the Holy Spirit and by the fruit of the Spirit goodness. We could also say that this fruit of the spirit goodness, agathosune, is a desire to do what is right by God, even if it means we have to endure painful consequences in life. Living right and doing right are not always well received by others, often because our definition of What is good and what is right, as informed by the word of God, does not always subscribe to how others define what is good and what is right. A person who is full of this fruit, the fruit of the spirit, goodness, lives and strives to live a life of goodness as is defined by the Word of God, even if everyone else disapproves or disagrees with it. It is easy to be good when we are with others, or when we know we are being watched or observed. The challenge lies in being good, in practicing goodness, Fruit of the spirit, goodness, when no one's watching or observing us. How good am I when no one is watching me? How good are you when no one is watching you? When we lead admirable lives in public and we live deplorable lives in private, we are hypocrites. That is a pathetic way to live. But it is also the easier way to live. It's the popular way to live. It's the most common way of living that we find around us. The trouble is, what is good according to the word of God is not always good for everyone else. So we have to make a decision. We live to please everyone in this life and run the risk of forfeiting our eternal reward, or we live in the fruit of the Spirit goodness, live to please God, and live in a manner that He would be delighted with our living, and therefore enter the kingdom. Accepting it as God's reward for our lives. What about faithfulness? This is where the text gets a little bit tricky. The Greek word translated as faithfulness here, pistis, is more often than not translated as faith. As in, faith that is primarily directed to God. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is not speaking of a similar faith in fellow humans. Instead, I believe he is speaking of faithfulness as in trustworthiness or fidelity. This fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, this Spirit led faithfulness is a quality that proves us to be loyal, reliable, and dependable. In life, God is our perfect example of faithfulness. He is faithful in establishing his covenant with humankind. He is faithful in sustaining that covenant, even if humankind, his covenant partners, have neglected the covenant and their obligation, obedience to it, either by reluctance or rebellion, failing. To uphold their end of their covenant with God. God is also faithful in all his relationships. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. He's faithful in his relationship with Noah. He's faithful in his relationship with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob and with Joseph. He's faithful to Moses, leader of Israel. He is faithful to the nation he has chosen for himself as a treasured possession. He is faithful to them while they're in Egypt remembering them. He is faithful to them as they're perched on the edge of the Red Sea and caught between the ocean and the army of Pharaoh. He is faithful to them in the wilderness Faithful in providing them food, in protecting them from the other nations. He's faithful to his promise, bringing them over Jordan into the promised land, as he had promised to Abraham, his son. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see he's faithful to the judges, he's faithful to the kings, and he's faithful to his servants, the prophets. He is faithful to the promises he makes because he keeps every promise he makes. He is faithful to the people he calls. He faithfully anoints them, faithfully empowers them, faithfully sustains them, all with his grace and mercy. God is faithful. We see this in his commitment to all the promises he makes to us, to you and to me in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's faithful to the promises he has made to us, carrying them forward as we live in the abiding presence of his Holy Spirit. It is easy to be faithful when it poses no threat to our selfishness. It is easy to be faithful when our personal agenda and our self-centered priorities are not called into question or challenged. It is difficult to be faithful when our faithfulness demands a sacrifice that we are unwilling to make or to abandon a course of action to which we are infatuated beyond reason. We are experts when it comes to being faithful to ourselves. No one need teach it to us. We need not be reminded. We need not be cajoled. We need not be encouraged. We persevere in our faithfulness to self because there is something in it for us. There is an inordinate pleasure for all of us in being faithful to our cause, to our nature, to our inclinations, to our selfish ambition, and our depraved affections. Our faithfulness to self inflates and feeds our ego, and a well-fed ego is difficult to overcome or destroy. We are faithful to ourselves even if this path that we are on ruins us or another person for that matter. But if we are asked to be faithful to God or to be faithful to one another, we have all the excuses in the world. So what are we to do? How can we possess this fruit of the Spirit, goodness? How can we possess this fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness? One of the clues that we have in the text lies in the grammar of our text. It has been pointed out by my fellow pastors in the past few weeks that fruit here is in the singular, not in the plural. It is for this reason we say fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. To understand the Apostle Paul... To understand him better, we need to go back a few verses in the text. The importance of possessing all the fruit is established. We're not supposed to seek one thing. We're supposed to seek all the fruit of the Spirit. So in chapter 5, verse 16, we walk by the Spirit. Why? So that we may not carry the desire of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. So, we walk by the Spirit, not carrying the desires of the flesh, but belonging to Jesus Christ. How do we belong to Jesus Christ? By crucifying the flesh along with its passion and its desires. Crucifying the flesh along with its passion and desires. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And he follows up that idea in chapter 6, verse 14, by saying, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As one scholar says, when we speak of the crucifixion of the flesh, we do not mean that it is totally destroyed, but that its power is decisively broken in us. The old self has been replaced with a new self. The old is gone, and God in Jesus Christ has made and is making all things new in the life of of the believer. In chapter 5 verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In chapter 5 verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We learn something when we compare these two verses one with another. The power of the flesh in the life of the believer is defeated if the believer responds to God's grace and commits to walking in the Spirit. We are invited to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not drag us around against our will. He can but he will not. It is for this reason, it is called walking in the spirit, not dragged by the spirit. The Greek verb has four moods, indicative, imperative, subjunctive, and optative. Here we see the Apostle Paul using a combination of two moods. The indicative mood what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, His Son, and the imperative mood, what we now must do as we walk in the Spirit. This is a right representation of our walking in the Spirit. We receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but we also respond to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We should avoid the extremes. We should not sit around and expect God to do everything. On the other hand, we should also avoid thinking it is all up to us now. The first leads to passive, stale, stagnant Christianity. The second leads to works-based righteousness. Both are extremes. So, as we try to understand the fruit of the Spirit, to provide a structure for all the fruit of the Spirit, this is how one great scholar presents it. Love, joy, peace are fruit of the Spirit that relate to the God-word aspect of Christian living. Our love brings us joy, and together our love and joy produce peace. Patience kindness and goodness are fruit of the spirit that relate to the social aspect of christian living our patience with one another is one of the manifestations of our kindness and reflects our desire to do good in accordance to the world to the word of god and not according to the definition of the world faithfulness gentleness or meekness and self-control or temperance in some versions are fruit of the Spirit that govern our personal lives. We are faithful in our relationships with God and with one another. We relinquish joyfully our rights and live in humility, not out of fear, but in love and pursue meekness, just as Jesus too was meek. We must pursue temperance, living circumspectly, for the days are evil. So you have these fruit of the Spirit, some in our relationship with God, some in our relationship with one another, and some as they relate to ourselves. So the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It all comes down to this. The people closest to you, the people that you live with, the people that you claim to love, the people that you claim to serve, have they observed any or all of these fruit in you? Do the people closest to me find these fruit in me? Do they get to enjoy this fruit of the Spirit? See, if I'm a Spirit-led person, If you are a spirit-led person, if you walk in the spirit and I walk in the spirit, then it goes to show that everyone around us, everyone that is invested in our lives and into whom we are invested as well, they must be able to enjoy these fruit in our lives. How sad if we can list all the fruit, but bear none. It would be like a tree that looks healthy, but bears no fruit. It's just an ornament, a mute witness in the garden that takes up space and eats up nourishment, but bears nothing. God is not calling us to unfruitful lives. Abiding in the vine is to bear abundant fruit. Any branch that is in a relationship with the vine produces fruit. Any branch that does not produce fruit is not being true to the vine that it is connected to. What the Holy Spirit is calling us to do is to produce this fruit of the Spirit in our lives for the glory of God and for the edification of the church and as a testimony to the world. Is my life fruitful? Fruit of the Spirit, fruitful. Is your life fruitful? Fruit of the Spirit, fruitful. If I cannot quickly and convincingly answer the question, and if you cannot quickly and convincingly answer that question for yourself, you and I have plenty of work to do. But this is not going to be a lonesome walk, but we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And as we submit to the leading of God's Spirit, as we give ourselves to confession and to deep repentance, grieving about sin in our lives, hiding nothing, exposing as the Lord gives us grace, all the broken pots, bits and pieces of our life and cry out to God, Lord, this is my reality. Many branches, plenty of leaves, no fruit, deep roots, picture of health, but no fruit. Would you, Holy Spirit, empower me to produce fruit that glorifies God And edifies my brothers and my sisters in the body and in the community around me. This is time for us to evaluate ourselves. Perhaps we have the resemblance of fruit, but there are no fruit at all imaginary fruit satisfy no one future fruit satisfies no one you cannot feed your hunger with future fruit the world needs more fruit of the spirit bearing christians and the spirit's calling for us today as in every day of our life is that we would bear fruit And the fruit we bear would be abundant, consistent, and brings glory to God our Father. It is time to bear fruit. The world waits for us to be more fruitful. To be an example and to be a witness. And it must start today. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father. We know so much about what the apostle Paul said and we understand the words behind Galatians 5:22 and 23. But how much of this fruit is found in us? Maybe we have one, but that's not God's desire. He desires for us to possess and to flourish. In a life that is full of the fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, this is something we cannot accomplish on our own. So we cry out to you, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Lead us into fruitfulness, the glory of God our Father. And so that our lives might be both a blessing and bear testimony to the presence of God and to the goodness of God and to the power of His Holy Spirit each day of our lives. We give you praise, Father, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that in His presence, with His leading, our life might bear fruit and bear it abundantly.